Today is Friday, October 23, 2020. On this day in 1982, police in southern Arizona engaged in a shootout with members of the Christ Miracle Healing Center and Church. The incident resulted in two tragic deaths. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from ParCast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're discussing a shootout between Cochise County deputies and members of a tight-knit religious community. Let's go back to the morning of October 23, 1982, to the small town of Miracle Valley near the southern border in Arizona. The weather was mild, but tensions were at a boiling point. Officers from the local sheriff's department stood tensely outside of the large compound of the Christ Miracle Healing Center and Church. The day before, on October 22nd, the officers attempted to serve arrest warrants on unpaid traffic fines to members of the group. But as they tried to enter the building, about two dozen members of the group refused to let them inside. They claimed neither of the men in question had any traffic tickets and refused to negotiate. Now authorities were unsure of how to proceed, but they feared escalating the situation. Animosity between the police and the church had been building for years. The Christ Miracle Healing Center and Church boasted around 300 members, totaling nearly two-thirds of Miracle Valley's population. Since arriving in 1979 from Chicago, members of the all-black church clashed with the nearly all-white community of Miracle Valley. The congregation wanted to preach their fundamentalist Christian teachings in peace, but outsiders derided them as a cult because of their strict beliefs and distrust of modern medicine. Then in 1980, Tensions increased when the group began an armed security patrol in the community to ward off theft and vandalism. The action sparked fear in many Miracle Valley residents and made even some local authorities nervous. Some worried they'd become too militant and non-members felt intimidated by the patrol's presence. Then on April 20, 1982, six months before the standoff, 20 or so members of the church got into a confrontation at the local high school after a church member was arrested for assaulting a female bystander the day before. The on-campus scuffle soon morphed into a massive brawl. When authorities arrived to break up the fighting, members of the church carjacked nearby witnesses and fled into the blazing Arizona desert. Authorities gave chase, but were unable to apprehend the suspects before they made it back to the compound. The only way the men were finally caught was through the intervention of the state's governor, Bruce Babbitt, who personally reached out to Thomas for cooperation. Eventually, three members of the church were given prison sentences. By that point, trust between the community and the group had all but vanished. So when authorities tried to enter the compound on the morning of October 23, 1982, to attempt to serve the arrest warrants a second time, 
they were at their wit's end. Deputies nervously discussed the best course of action outside the compound. 35 officers from several different agencies and over a dozen cars waited on standby. Authorities were intent on avoiding any further escalation. The agencies reached a consensus to let one squad car in just before dawn to apprehend the suspects in question. They hoped that by that point, tensions might have deflated enough for a safe environment. According to authorities, the morning of October 23rd, a single patrol car slowly entered the compound. Two deputies exited the vehicle and proceeded to go door to door looking for their suspects. As they walked to their next address, a car rolled up and angry church members filed out. Each of them carried improvised weapons, including tire irons, clubs, and wrenches. The group immediately surrounded the officer and berated them. It only took a few moments for things to spin out of control. Authorities claimed the members jeered at the officers and became aggressive, even taking a few swings at them when they ran back to their squad car. As the officers retreated, they radioed in for backup. Police swarmed the compound, while over a hundred members of the church came out of their houses to join in the conflict. There was pushing and shoving, punches were thrown, and people were knocked to the ground. In the commotion, bystanders saw 33-year-old William Thomas Jr., Pastor Francis Thomas's son, unload several long-barreled weapons from a nearby car. Moments later, the bullets started flying. Up next, members fall and the aftermath of the shootout. Listeners, who doesn't love a good ghost story? Rattling chains, mysteriously moving objects, unfinished business. I am ready for all things spooky, and so is ParCast Network. Starting October 1st, we're bringing you the scariest, most hair-raising ghost stories ever imagined. Every Thursday on the new original series, Haunted Places Ghost Stories, Alastair Murden summons a new spine-tingling tale of wraiths, phantoms, and chilling apparitions. These stories come from all over the world, including Japan, India, the UK, and even ancient Rome. Don't miss stone-cold classics like The Kit Bag by Algernon Blackwood, a sinister account of a condemned murderer's final wish, and the lengths he'd go to fulfill it. And The Miserere, a Spanish tale of a wandering musician who hears a terrifyingly beautiful song in a burned-out monastery and is doomed to capture its notes until he dies. You can find and follow Haunted Places Ghost Stories free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, October is our favorite month and one of our busiest. So make sure to search ParCast Network in the Spotify search bar to see all our new shows. Now, back to the story. On October 23, 1982, members of a local fundamentalist church in Miracle Valley, Arizona, engaged in a shootout with local authorities. Bystanders saw Pastor Thomas's son, William Thomas Jr., reach into his car and pull out several rifles. Moments later, gunfire erupted. At the sound of the gunshots, many of the church members screamed and fled the scene. 
But the fight was far from over. It appeared that Thomas ran into the fray with one of the weapons and approached 45-year-old sheriff's deputy Ray Thatcher. According to the deputy, Thomas pointed his weapon in their direction. In that split second, Thatcher fired four rounds, each striking Thomas. Moments later, Thomas was dead on the ground. In the fray, Thatcher said another church member, 52-year-old Gus Tate, went to pick up the weapon. Fearing for his life, Thatcher fired an additional four at Tate. He died instantly. People on both sides panicked. Moments after the two church members were killed, authorities retreated. By the time the attack was over, dozens of people were injured, including seven deputies. Deputy Jeffrey Carl Brown suffered a bruised heart after being struck by a five-foot-long pipe. William Thomas Jr. and Gus Tate lay dead in the dirt. Hundreds of bullet casings littered the ground. Those left behind screamed, while others cried. Most believed that the worst was over, but to keep everyone safe, authorities evacuated the remaining 150 people living in town. In the next few tense hours, authorities worried about additional violence, but it never came. After the dust cleared and the situation was deemed safe, authorities launched an investigation into what happened. They called in the FBI to ensure an unbiased report. In the aftermath, over 10 members of the church were arrested and charged with a slew of offenses. There were conflicting reports about the events of the conflict. Authorities, including Deputy Thatcher, stuck with their story of events. However, members of the church, including Pastor Thomas, said things happened differently. Thomas claimed her son was shot in the back and that her followers were unarmed during the conflict. The members who faced charges stemming from the shootout had their cases dismissed. Each one requested a public defender. Cochise County stated they were unable to provide the defendants with lawyers, citing a lack of funds. The judge had the option to dismiss the case with or without prejudice. If they simply dismissed the case, the defendants could be retried down the line. However, the judge felt the prosecution's evidence was shaky at best and dropped the charges with prejudice. The entire ordeal was a black eye on the community. Most just wanted to move forward with their lives when it was all over. The tensions that had been building over the years finally exploded, and now everyone involved was forced to deal with the aftermath. After all, two church members had been killed. In 1983, Pastor Thomas and the group packed up and went back to Chicago. Thomas later died in 1995. In 2012, 30 years after the shootout, Pentecostal missionaries purchased the old church land in Miracle Valley. They claimed God called on them to heal the land. But not all scars fade. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 
Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Remember to join Alastair Murden every Thursday for the all-new series Haunted Places Ghost Stories. Don't miss the most chilling spirits ever imagined by authors from around the world. Follow Haunted Places Ghost Stories free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.